1: Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead with the Moorhead team, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we have Jeremy Striffler here. Jeremy is with the Austin Independent School District, and he works helping them with their real estate portfolio.
0: Hey, Jeremy, how are you? Good. How's everything going?
1: Going great. Good to see you. Um, Real quick, just for our listeners, who are you and how are you involved in real estate in Austin?
0: Sure. So... I moved down to Austin in September of 2020, one of the many pandemic uh, migration, mm-hmm. and was working at the time for Cushman and Wakefield uh, as a tenant rep broker uh, focused on corporate as well as nonprofit clients. Uh, and then in during the summer of 2021, I uh, found the opportunity to join the Austin Independent School District as their director of real estate, and so I started in September in that role, and I am helping the district with their portfolio of 125 school campuses, along with a mixture of bus terminals, administrative buildings, and some athletic facilities, and some just special purpose uh, campuses as well so probably around 150 to 160 properties spread throughout the city of austin Uh, we've got about 1800 acres of land and uh, square footage of quite a few hundreds of thousands given all the schools
1: so i think everybody's going to be wondering um what what would you say the The role is. So obviously you're helping them with the real estate portfolio, which it sounds like they have a very large real estate portfolio. Um, what specifically does your role do
0: with your school district? It's twofold. I say one is more on the short-term basis, which is facility use rental overseeing a got a team who is helping the community who wants to rent everything from a classroom to the the track to a gymnasium, to even the facilities we have at the Performing Arts Center mm-hmm. out for either one-time use for an event or maybe ongoing uh, use like a church group who's worshiping on Sundays uh, in addition. So that's kind of one, one area of focus. And then the second would be the long-term view, which is really, if we need to open a new facility, helping secure land uh, or re-examine what we already have in the portfolio and see if there might be an appropriate way to reuse an existing site. Uh, And then on the flip, if a school or some other facility is deemed um, no longer in use, helping them through a a process of how do we redevelop that, that site.
1: Okay, so I actually didn't know that that outside entities could rent school space. Can anybody do that? Or is it just a, a one-off or a special use type of deal?
0: Uh, it's generally open to anyone. Uh, we have a process in place where the school campus principals can approve or deny, and usually it's mostly tied to, does it, is the desired use conflict with, our main focus, which is the students and mm-hmm. school and athletics that are going on in those campuses. Uh, but it is open to both for-profit and nonprofit entities. And as long as the use isn't going to cause offense to anyone in the school <laughs> district, we're generally open uh, to everything. We even have, you know, film productions come and use campuses for, you know, when they want to need a school setting for a movie or maybe they need an athletic facility. Uh, could be even just for a commercial or something. And actually we are in the process of transitioning from what was a paper format where you fill out a application and a lot of emails and phone exchanges between us here in administration, the school campus, and, and the person who's submitted the rental application, we're moving on to a software called facilitron that is going to help us automate everything to just uh, improve how quickly we can respond to requests and help just secure payments. So that way someone's not taking it over a phone, you can enter your credit card right in with the uh, secure software program there, but also submit your insurance. And if you're a nonprofit, submit your verification that you're a nonprofit entity, because we do charge different rates uh, for those two groups so i think that's going to actually open it up a lot more to the larger austin community to uh take advantage of the facilities and for us it's a matter of good stewardship that these outside of the regular school hours that these buildings aren't just sitting empty they are here to benefit the public and uh so we we enjoy that they get to be used throughout the evenings and weekends as well awesome yeah no i'm
1: sure there's somebody out there listening that's going to find some benefit in that because I had no idea you could just rent space that easily. I thought you had to know somebody or, or have some inside connection to be able to rent out a gym. Of course, I've seen tons of movies that are set in a gymnasium or set in a school, but I never put two and two together that, hey, they probably worked with the school district just to rent that, and they didn't go find an abandoned school building to film that movie oh. in
0: we're hoping that moving to Silitron that we can combine that with some uh social media marketing efforts just to get the word out there and f- not only like i said helps broaden the use but also optimizes it for us because the revenue is always a helpful resource to help with staffing and programming needs especially uh, where we currently have a deficit so trying to fill in those gaps
1: absolutely no it sounds like it can't do anything but help so jeremy obviously you're not from austin you moved here recently why did you move to austin
0: sure so i had been in minneapolis for 10 years uh, originally from out east grew up in new york and connecticut but uh had found minnesota after grad school because through my family my sister was living there and had convinced me to moved to Minnesota because I had worked in retail real estate and she figured, Hey, Target, Best Buy, Dairy Queen, a lot of, uh, national retailers were headquartered in Minneapolis. And that might be a good place to, uh, settle myself, uh, in terms of pursuing the next step in my career. I ended up with Cushman and Wakefield originally working in retail real estate as a in the consulting side, helping shopping center owners who were trying to figure out what to do with all their big vacancies after the 2008 to 2010 recession. And then as things improved, we kind of flipped the script and helped developers figure out how much space to build to avoid that issue in the future where they said, okay, we know we have a, perhaps we have a grocery store who wants to anchor the center, but how much additional Uh, shopping center space do we actually construct or maybe we should just leave it as a grocery store. And so did a lot of analysis related to demographics, spending patterns, uh, traffic, et cetera, to try to figure out where's there gaps and is there enough demand to justify the construction. Uh, Eventually I transitioned over to a pure commission role as a tenant rep broker working with a team that, and mentioned previously was focused on corporate and non-profit tenants always took the lens of representing the user of space whether that was helping them rent buy or sell space but always from the lens that like either was being used or no longer used not from an investment standpoint per se uh and really enjoyed commercial real estate but uh was ready to see a new city. And Austin had always appealed. I'd visited in the past. And the fact that there are so many transplants, uh, thought that would be a community that I would gel well with. Uh, Again, with my own movement around from New York to even living overseas to Minnesota, uh, having that kind of experience and meeting lots of people who also might have moved around a bit. And plus just the weather is uh, kind of impossible to beat. After 10 years of below zero winters, I was ready for something different.
1: Yeah, well, the weather's pretty great. I mean, looking outside today, it's sunny, it's low 70s, just pretty much amazing. Where I think I I talked to some of my my family in Kentucky, even in Kentucky of 30s and 40s right now, it's just cold and nasty and not here. Pretty great. So, <clears throat> Jeremy, you've moved around a bit, um, but you've been in commercial real estate for a while. What initially attracted you to real estate?
0: Yeah, so I originally kind of just happened upon it by accident. Uh, after college, was looking for a job in marketing and had a friend who was working in investor relations at a company called Vernado Realty Trust that owns Office. And retail properties uh, primarily along the East Coast, concentrated in kind of New York and washington dC, and so they had a opening in the a marketing position open in the retail division, and just worked out great. was able to uh, jump right in and really enjoyed that role. And as I was learning the position, uh, a lot of my time was spent working with the leasing teams, helping them market the shopping malls that the company owned. Uh, to potential tenants, everyone from, and this was around 2006, 2007. So at that time, Whole Foods, H&M, Forever 21 were really in growth mode and trying to, you know, tell them a compelling story supported by data. Again, kind of going back to my experience, demographics and spending patterns to be able to explain like why they should, you know, rent a a storefront uh, in the mall. And so as I just, you know, was getting into the weeds and all that really just found a passion for commercial real estate. I like how tangible it is. Uh, I think it's something everyone can relate to immediately. You know, everyone can understand place and what that, whether it's a shopping center, what that experience is like, or if it's an office, uh, and now, even when I think about education field that I'm in, when you go into a school, uh, we understand what the bricks and mortar and how that impacts people. And so that has just maintained its appeal over the years. And, you know, I've moved around a bit in the from retail to office now to education sector. But I think that through line is I've always kind of kept in mind the use and the user uh, as I look look at it.
1: And I think that, that leads me to ask, why why work for the school district? You know, obviously, you've been working commission this this whole time. This is a, a much different role than a tenant rep. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name is Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire.
0: Sure. You know, I had the benefit of working in Minnesota with the St. Paul School District, as well as uh, quite a few charter schools and really enjoyed that work, uh, especially where I got to help charter schools go from paper to you know, buying and building out a facility. And, and so I liked the field uh, in terms of the just education's The education sector was interesting to me. But uh, what I think I also enjoyed was the mission behind it. And so whereas I'd say maybe half my time at most, was working with these nonprofit clients as a commission broker, and that was again not only school districts but uh, religious organizations helping them lease excess space or sell former churches, uh, as well as general nonprofits like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and Volunteers of America. And so I always that those values aligned so much with uh, my own personal beliefs and. And so being able to transition from that being kind of 40, 50% of my time to my full time was really appealing. And I think the combination of that mission, along with the challenge of moving from working with kind of multiple clients on one-off issues to a portfolio, where now we get to take more strategic lens, because especially with the district being that everything's concentrated within the city of Austin, you really get to be thoughtful about how does one site impact all the others? And uh, you know we have a big focus here at the district about equity and even thinking when I talk about revenue and if we're generating revenue through renting our facilities, parking lots, how can we use that for the betterment of all the schools and rather than kind of treating everyone in its own little box and because um, some, properties are just in more premium locations than others. And so how do we leverage that for the betterment of all of all the students and families? And so it's been so far uh, just a total pleasure. And uh, it's really nice to be part of that, like longer range planning that you don't always get with the corporate clients uh, as a commission. They're so time focused. And while I appreciate the corporate client having a a very clear timeline and okay things need to be done sooner than later uh, you're often brought in unless you have the benefit of working on the whole portfolio kind of for that limited time whereas here we really get to think five ten even 50 years out i mean i'm working on a uh, special warranty deed for a property that we're purchasing that You know, we're trying to think ahead to 75 years from now, what happens, you know, what happens if the school no longer functions, you know, or no, is no longer in use because of shifting demographics, whatever might happen in the city at the time. And you're trying to think, how do we protect the future, uh, of that site, uh, in terms of how the district can control it, use it, uh, for whatever its purposes might be at that time. And so it's just a a unique challenge to have to have kind of think short-term, long-term constantly at the same time, but also try not to put things too much in a silo because, you know, how one property performs might impact all the others. Yeah. You
1: know what I, I like? It sounds like things are real fluid. Obviously, things are moving really quickly in Austin with the economic, the business side of things, but you know, there's all these people moving here and there's all these new demands for the school district. And I think that's gotta take a lot of consideration when you're thinking, hey, where do we? what do we do with this? And where do we put this? Well, we talked a little bit about repurposing. So I live in East Austin. Things are always changing around here. In fact, the school right down the street from me on Gardner just changed This year, they were just a traditional high school before. Now they're, um, you would probably know more than me, there's some sort of magnet school now. Um, Of course, last year was an odd year. There wasn't too many people in school. But, you know, how do you best use assets in the school district's portfolio? Or how do you repurpose assets in the school district's portfolio?
0: Yeah, so uh, during the pandemic, the whole asset repurposing process got totally put on hold, obviously different priorities and, you know, long-term redevelopment repurposing of these sites wasn't as much needed <laughs> to be on the forefront as well, as, as much as just let's get the students back in school. Uh, so now thankfully we're in a position where we can restart that and we'll be uh, here at the end of 2021 and really in, Ernest uh, in 2022, and will continue through the 2022-2023 school year. So we have six sites that have been identified for repurposing. Uh, everything from the former Pease Elementary School, which is in downtown Austin near the capital. Uh, we have the former Rosedale, which is in central Austin. And then we have four school sites in East Austin. and uh, it's, it's the priority of the board uh, to make sure that how we think about repurposing redeveloping these sites that you know, it's for the betterment of the community, right, that's mission aligned with the school district. Obviously, if the community thrives, then our schools will thrive. And so we are going to uh, we're working with a third-party consultant who's going to take us through a process to look at what's the highest and best use, and then what's the feasibility of those uses, and then combine that with a community engagement process where we'll be able to listen to those who live around these school sites and find out well, what do they need? What's where is the neighborhood gapped uh, Is it housing? Is it a medical center? Is it uh, maybe it is some sort of education purpose, maybe it's adult learning, or maybe it's community college, who knows? Uh, You know, we will yet to see that. Uh, I know the board has publicly stated, uh, we would love to develop affordable housing on district owned sites if possible. But again, that, you know, we also have to find out, is the land buildable? (laughs) You know, what is the demand? And again, thinking thoughtfully about Not each site totally one on one, but like if we can leverage the value of one site for the better of the others, you know, how do we work through that? Uh, So basically, we'll kick it off with two sites uh, here in the next, you know, 30, 60 days. And at the end of that five months, we're going to have a a report that has recommended actions for the district uh, and what it ultimately will lead. To and where I uh, will help be the part of it is the implementation. And so that most likely will mean going to market with an RFP with some desired objectives of what we'd like to see on that site, but really then looking to partner with likely a developer who can uh, execute. And the site might be mixed use, there could be multiple components to it where it's not just one. One big building, you know with let's say it was housing, you know, it's not like housing necessarily has to be the whole site, but likely some sort of master developer uh, who then can figure out all the components uh, and hopefully meet meet our list of wants and needs. Uh, and you know what we're gonna have to think about is what does that look like? Is it a sale? Is it a, a ground lease? Is it some other? partnership that i'm not thinking about at the moment but you know are contemplating but we want to be mindful of protecting our assets uh which really this time is the land itself uh because to your point with Austin growing what is it going to look like 50 years from now and i have always in my career when i especially when i work with nonprofits uh who own assets when they start thinking about selling, because the benefit of that cash influx is to remind them once you sell it, you have to assume you're never gonna get it back. And so we have four sites in East Austin. Maybe we, we are not gonna need those four sites 50 years from now, but what if we need even one of them? And so how do we, how do we plan for that without even knowing Uh, having all the tea leaves to figure out where students will be living and how many students will be in each of the neighborhoods throughout the city. Uh, So that's, that's very tough to predict, but the best thing we can do is be strategic in how we treat these assets and not so quick to just grab the money and say, well, isn't this great? We have some funds for whatever immediate needs you know, we're trying to pay for, but you know, perhaps it's better to have annual cash flow, uh uh with also an outcome that is, is maybe looks a little different than just going for the maximizing price.
1: Yeah, no, I think if you're the school district and you like you're saying, if you get rid of your of four schools. And then you need to buy land and build another school. Good luck competing against all the developers too. So is the reason there's so many, are there more in East Austin than in other areas, more unused schools right now? Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people.
0: Thanks guys. Uh, I think it, right now, the six are the six. There's mm-hmm. nothing in the short term that I'm aware of in terms of any other additional sites. These are actually were schools that were closed before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't related, related to that, You know it, it's a matter of sometimes consolidation. Some of it's economies of scale, better or worse. Is you know if you have eight students in a classroom or twenty students in a classroom, you need the same resources. Uh, I think that's something people forget about the funding of schools. That the fact, and we'll leave the debate about it aside, but that dollars follow students, and so just you know if you lose students even to a charter school. Uh, it's not like you lose a whole grade at once, right? Instead you're losing individuals from various classrooms and various schools throughout the district. Uh, And so that makes a huge impact because you still need the same teachers, you still need the principal and the administrative staff and custodians and the cafeteria workers, et cetera. Just because you lost, you know, maybe you lost 15 kids spread out amongst the grades doesn't mean you can scale back your staffing. Or your programming and so uh some of the the closures that you saw us were just being efficient with making sure that uh the schools that we do have are you know running well and also looking at what facilities are modern and speaking to the learning environment we need here in 2021 and going forward there's a lot of buildings that are outdated and if they cannot be easily modernized or renovated, then, you know, is there some other way to approach that? And some of that's been like the former Rosedale, we're building them a new facility. So it's not a matter that the school closed, we're just relocating them to a brand new facility, state-of-the-art facility. And so it's, uh, some of it's just obsolescence of these, of these schools.
1: they been, Big enough demographic shifts, too, that let's say East Austin, there was the majority of the residents here were families, and now a lot of them are younger people, say our age. Has that had any effect on the need of schools in, in East Austin?
0: Can't speak specifically to East Austin, just in general. You know, we're trying very hard to work with demographer, demographers every year to mm-hmm. forecast where the students are going to be how many are we having and that's going to be a challenge with austin's growth is so much of the housing that's being built rapidly be built is not geared towards families uh uh, but that doesn't mean in who knows how many every years it takes all the younger uh married or single people who don't have kids how many years before they do and where are they gonna go? I mean, if you've seen in just in Austin itself, there's been a lot of announcements about big single family developments outside of the city in in the kind of first ring suburbs. And uh, so how do we predict, well, will people stay in the city or will they push themselves out to the suburbs uh, because that's where the housing stock is or other things that appeal about kind of living in, a more suburban lifestyle. And uh, the minute they move outside the district, you know, that we don't benefit from those families anymore. And so we're always we have all I think what's great about how the school district is set up is that I fall under planning and asset management. And those things uh, thoughtfully go together. Uh, because the planning team who are the ones trying to every year figure out where the students are going to be, you know, that needs to work hand in hand with real estate to make sure that we have the proper facilities, or, you know, figure out where we need to put put facilities. And I will say, like, even in, uh, you know, right now in Northeast Austin, we've got a middle school under construction, and so there's also some of some of that is contributing to, you know, just in the shift of where these four school sites are uh, of whether or not they were serving those needs anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. And if we're replacing it with something better, which is our hope.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, I love what you said about you need to modernize things. And if you can't modernize them, you need to repurpose them or, or build a new one. So things have obviously changed so much since a lot of these schools were built. And then the demographic shifts in Austin and and where everybody's going and who's coming. And there's so much to take into consideration there that it it seems like a tall order. You've got a big task ahead of you to help them figure that out. And I think you're the right man for the job. Oh, thank you. Do you have any ideas? what's, What's next? In your role and you know what's the next big thing obviously repurposing is going to be a huge huge deal there but what do you see in 5 10 15 20 years down the road that you think is going to be a big issue you need to tackle
0: you know something that i've been working on and this comes from my background working with like in minnesota with fairview health systems and blue cross blue shield is we're just trying to get a good hold of our portfolio uh making sure that we know all the encumbrances all the agreements everything that could impact us because we need to be in in a position where if whoever at within the district says hey i'm thinking about doing something at x school we need to be able to know all the facts about that property and uh, not that you said five, 10 years. I'm hoping this will be a lot sooner. It's my kind of my immediate focus along with repurposing is just trying to help get the district organized. Uh, But I think that will uncover opportunities is once you identify what you have, then you can start implementing a repeatable process where you thoughtfully go through the list and are able to ask those questions about what you can do. And it's hard to, well, you can, you can ask that. I think it's a misplaced effort if you don't know what you have to start getting ahead of yourself and talk about all the things you want to do without knowing your facts. And so that's always where I kind of start is we need to ground ourselves in making sure we have a clear understanding of where we are so that way we can figure out where we're going.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure that's difficult when you have such a vast portfolio of properties just to, over such a broad geographic area.
0: Yeah. Yes, and but I will say, and this is on the district website already. Uh, if people are interested, is you know we're preparing for a, a bond program in 2022, and so, you know we're going to be going, to the voters to right? so hopefully secure uh, support for a large, significant bond, which the school district does every five years, and every single facility has been assessed. Not only from a building condition standpoint, but just also an education sustainability standpoint. Like, just because you have classrooms, does that, does that mean those classrooms are actually well positioned for learning in twenty twenty one You know, just uh, and but also like, does the roof need replacing? Does the boiler need to be uh, repaired? And so they look at both aspects. And so every single property has been assessed and identify like what do we want to do there and it's everything from expanding schools to modernizing facilities to potentially building new facilities and so depending upon what comes out of that bond uh, program there could be a lot more work uh, ahead too in terms of uh, needing new sites or rethinking existing sites we have so that'll be in the next kind of next fall of 2022. So, uh, I'll be paying attention to, uh, how that all shakes out.
1: Oh yeah, I bet. just, just, again, it seems like just an ever-changing thing. And you're trying to do the best for these students while also using the assets, the best to help do the best for the students. So it's a complex position. I really enjoy you coming on here today to talk about this, um, do you have a favorite business or mindset book that you help understand how to how to move and and use commercial real estate? Is there some resources you've had that have helped you?
0: Sure. So it actually the book has nothing to do with real estate, but it's called the Checklist Manifesto, oh, cool. and it was written by a doctor. I apologize; I don't have the name off the top of my head, but basically, this doctor was identifying that there were Issues in general procedures because there wasn't consistency uh you know and that's where you would get infections or uh, other problems that could come up during surgery et cetera and so just by creating a checklist, how vastly improved the results were for the surgical procedures that uh he was working on with staff, and so then expanding that he really the book talks about using that approach, which sounds rather boring, but at the end of the day, like that checklist, again, can free you up to do so much uh, if you are just bringing that repeatable process because you've eliminated so many variables just by the fact that you're making sure, like, are we doing the same thing every time? Mm -hmm. And now if we've kind of hit that measure, now we can almost do more. Because now we've eliminated the chance for error that could happen just because people are flying off the cuff rather than making sure we follow something. and so um like I mentioned before, as I pull together all this information about the school district about what agreements we have in place, you know that's something we're trying to bring uh, to our practices a repeatable process of even with these leases we we found parking agreements that are Thirty years old, and we have nothing in place for how are we checking every year to make sure that the school is still comfortable with the parking agreement, uh, and also that we're documenting that if it renewed, you know, an automatic renewal that sounds fine, but when you don't have any record for 30 years that (laughs) that that that's been renewing, uh, it's not like it's a fire to put out, but still, we'd be in a much better position if we've are thoughtfully saying, okay, every time, every year, when these leases come up, do we have their current insurance on file? Have we checked with the principal that they're okay with the agreement continuing, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so I just, uh, that book uh, was very helpful in trying to make sure that you can avoid unnecessary issues uh, in the in really setting things up. So that way you can focus on the harder stuff, which is really the strategy and and the decision-making.
1: Yeah, love that. I'll have to read that. I've not read the checklist manifesto, but you're not the first person to recommend it to me. All right, Jeremy, last question here. I know you're on a tight timeline. What is your favorite restaurant here in Austin?
0: Sure, it's, it's tough uh, having moved here during the pandemic with you know night restaurant life not being as open but uh really have loved of late uh the switch which is actually in tripping springs oh. uh so i don't know if that's a technicality but yeah it's a it's a barbecue joint it's by the same team that's a style and switch uh, which is also really good in central austin but uh the switch is in tripping springs and uh just one of the great meat plates uh that i've found here In terms of overall bites i love barbecue and there's a lot of great trucks here where you know can get a great piece of brisket or this one has the best ribs and the switch so far i've really liked the combo of everything in terms of great sides as well as great biscuit and brisket and sausage and ribs so i've been going there quite a few times of late
1: love it yeah no i love style switch uh i think they have one cedar park and then one on north lamar Probably my favorite barbecue in Austin personally. Yeah. But I'll have to check out the switch. I did not know that existed.
0: It's great, especially if you're going out to Dripping Springs for like the day to go check out any of those distilleries or the downtown uh, Mercer Street, all that shopping there. Awesome.
1: I'll check it out. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on here today. Really appreciate it. Is there a place that you'd like people to reach out to you? Do you prefer Instagram or is there a city website that works well for you?
0: Uh, If anyone has questions about the school district and real estate, uh, you can find my contact info on this district website in the facilities page.
1: Okay. What is their website? Is it Austin ISD? Uh,
0: Yes. (laughs)
1: AISD.org. AISD.org. And we'll put that in the show notes for everybody. Thank you so much, Jeremy. We will talk here soon and you have a great day.
0: Great. You too. Thank you.
1: Thank you.